Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Vox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rock bondage. Rock bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners. We've been practicing together for nearly five years. We live in Bangkok and we love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. And today's episode is sponsored by Friction Live. Friction Live offers a variety of kink classes, mostly centered around rope and things you can do to complement your rope. And you can follow along with it from the comfort of your own couch, kitchen, bed and so on. You can attend the class live or view it recorded at your convenience. Check them out on frictionlive.ca. So today, Maya, we are going to talk about the tepu tie. Indeed, we have a rock focus episode. Uh, yes. So what is it, a tepu tie? The tepu tie, also known as the rifle tie or the rifle carrier tie, is an arms in the back tie. So in that sense, it's going to have some similar characteristics with things like TKs or stoppados, the person in rope has their arms in their back, which tends to create a sense of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So those arms are going to be folded over themselves. So the, uh, the wrists are near the shoulders and the elbows sticking out. And they are positioned with one arm up and one arm down in the back, which creates usually a diagonal shape. So the two the elbows. Yes. Uh, some people like to tie the tepu with the upper arm being more vertical rather than forming a diagonal. So your mileage may vary, in which case you get a more asymmetrical shape. Okay, and so where are the hands in the tie? The hands are usually close to each other uh, near the spine because the arms are folded over. They might be touching and they might be included within the tie or not, depending. Okay, um, and we'll link to some examples of tepus in the show notes so people can see it because sometimes it's hard to... Yeah, I would definitely recommend going to look at the photos. It would make what we're talking about today so much more <laughs> explicit and clear. Okay, and so what's this rifle business? So indeed, we can include in the tie some stick or a piece of bamboo or some similar object to take the role of the quote-unquote rifle which is going to stabilize the arms and keep them in place. Because one thing that we're going to talk about with the tepu tie is that if the person being tied doesn't hold the shape, it's not the shape that usually holds the best on its own. Okay, and so why are we including a rifle? Because it's going to add more rigidity and it's going to prevent specifically the upper elbow from coming down to the front of the body and the symbolism of that is well that's the rifle and the rifle carrier pose isn't it so if you think of carrying a rifle or a musket across your back you might put it in that diagonal shape like 45 degrees to your spine going across and it may or may not have a historical origin uh, i've heard at least once that maybe <laughs> the Japanese military, when they captured prisoners of war that had muskets, because those muskets were valuable, they wanted to keep them and transport them at the same time as the prisoners, and they would tie the muskets to the back of the prisoners. 
Is there any truth to that? Honestly, I have no idea. So, so maybe listener, we can ask listeners. Yeah, <laughs> if you're a rope historian or if you've heard things about whether that's true or not, please come leave a comment on the FetLife writing for this episode and let us know. And that's all relevant because as far as we understand, the word tepu means rifle. Is that correct? That is my belief, yeah. A rifle or a musket or something of that nature. Okay. Some kind of firearm. Okay. So, Maya, you've been tied in tepus before. I have had a number of tepus, yeah. And so what does it feel to be tied in a tepu? Um, it's a very restraining position because um, your arms are pushed to their max. Uh, for me, the pressure on the um, shoulders and the elbows and sometimes even the wrists is quite intense. All your joints in your arms are being um, pressured. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a vulnerable tie because obviously your arms are in the back. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one depending on how much flexibility you have with your arms. Uh, and it's one to be careful of. We're going to talk about risks now. Mm. It's pretty hard on the shoulders. Um, And one piece of uh, advice I'd give to riggers, particularly having experienced this a lot, is watch out for leverage because you might tie a tepu in one orientation and then move your bottom to their back or um, suspend them in some way and the tepu will change um, and might put a surprising amount of pressure um, on the uh, hands or on the joints or on the nerves. And that goes double if you do include a stick into the tie that's going to be an extra lever that's going to bring in more leverage and potentially dislocate your shoulder. Or... Yeah, yeah, it's quite um, intense if you press on the elbows or you move them around because mm. uh, everything's going to move. Um, it also has circulation challenges. So uh, similar to a strapado. Yeah, very much so, uh, depending on how the arms have been tied. And it can, of course, impact your arm nerves. Mm, definitely like the radio is vulnerable the owner and so on depending on how you place your different wraps and there are many different ways to many tie different ties yeah definitely yeah uh, and obviously as soon as you have the arms removed um any kind of balance becomes much harder yeah and all especially in this case when you're in an asymmetrical body shape with one arm up one arm down might be a bit trickier to keep balance right yeah yeah, it's a different sensation. Um, so for me, I would say don't don't try this for beginners. Okay. Um, you would be better off as a bottom doing this when you have quite a good body awareness, when you know when and how you need to tap out, hmm. um, and you can manage potentially a loss of sensation in your hands um, to your own risk profile. So not one to do in your first week of doing rope then. I really think not. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. So what do we use it for, the tepu? I think, Maya, we use the tepu when we want a tie that is going to give a strong sensation of arm restraint because in a tight tepu, 
the arms really can't move very much. And maybe we are doing, say, something that is otherwise arm-free. We're doing an arm-free chest harness, but we want to do something with our arms, not just leave them untied. Then the tepu can be an add-on, an addition to um, to that harness. Or, conversely, you can tie your tepu including some aspects of a harness in it. Some people tie their tepu with chest wraps, for instance, and then it might be possible to suspend from the result uh, being extra careful because it's a dangerous tie as a standalone. And if you start suspending from it, that ramps us ramps up the risk quite a bit. And certainly people often um, not necessarily suspend, but use the use a rope pulling the top arm upwards to help maintain the shape. That would help prevent the problem we were talking about where the upper elbow tends to drop towards the front. Fall down, yeah. If you suspend near that elbow straight upwards, it's going to help a lot with the shape not falling apart. But you need to be super careful that the bottom doesn't then put a lot of weight on it because you don't really want to be suspended from your elbow. Yes. And you and I, Maya, would tend to use this time more in partials Mm -hmm. rather than full suspensions. Yeah. For that reason. We have used it in a full suspension and it was pretty challenging, I mm. found. Um, what I would say is if you're using it in suspension, it's easier for the bottom if you're face down. Um, it's much harder if you're face up because the arms are then dropping back on themselves. Mm. Back to this idea that the bottom kind of needs to hold the shape, at least when you start tying it. Um that may or may not be something you want. So that's something to consider. I've definitely heard the opinion um, from some rope bottoms that the tepu wasn't so much of a quote-unquote real tie because they could move out of it easily. Um, but if you're fine with your rope being more bottom-led, I guess, and having the bottom hold the position, be it for a scene or for a photo shoot, there's not necessarily a problem with that. I would say personally even though i might be able to move my elbow but it's still a very painful and difficult tie yeah uh, as you say possible solutions include suspending the upper elbow include tying a stick either to the outside of the shape and then that stick can enforce the diagonal of the two elbows or some people also tie the stick within the tie so wedging it inside the elbows and such. And either way, watch for that leverage. Uh, watch for the leverage. And especially if you're tying the stick inside, watch for where the wood mm. is going to press into the flesh because wood is very good at pressing into delicate bits and causing like nerve problems or causing bad pain and so on. So yeah, you as see- you add more pressure and compression, really look at where that wood is going and what it's doing. Usually there's a lot going on for a bottom. There's usually quite a lot of rope involved in the tepu to get it to work right. So Mm -hmm. when you add in wood as well, it might be difficult for them to predict what bits of the tie are having a problem, causing a problem. Yeah. And if you do do that and fix the tepu in place and the bottom can't really move so much and has to keep this very strenuous position, then it very much becomes a torture tie. Mm -hmm. So what, what would we not use the tepu for typically? I would say the tepu is a bit less good for long-term bondage because of the strenuousness of the position. Mm -hmm. So not something you would put someone in for hours, more something that you think you can take the bottom out, I would say, within 
20 minutes-ish, maybe. I mean, obviously, that amount of time is going to vary depending on your partner, depending on what kind of play you like to do. But yeah, not a very long-term one because of its comfort level. As you mentioned, it is not usually super pleasant to lay back on. So if you're going to lay your partner on their back, then that might not be the best choice. And that's both in the, on the floor because your arms are going to press into the rope and on a suspension because your arms are going to pull on the shoulder blades with the pressure of the rope. Yeah, weight. the weight, the weight of the arms, the gravity is going to make it. It's quite challenging. Difficult. In a face-up suspension. Yeah. Um, because of the leverage aspect you mentioned, I wouldn't use a tepu in a very dynamic scene if I'm going to be throwing my partner around a lot. Uh, it's it's a tie that tends to be more static for safety reasons. Okay. And then lastly, I would say in my mind, it's not the best if it's going to be a sexual scene or if there's a lot of other play in the scene, like impact, uh, because it's a tie that requires quite a lot of attention, both from the bottom monitoring their body and the top checking what's happening. And so if you have a lot of distraction, if you have a lot happening at the same time, it might be a bit overwhelming. Okay. Um, and we've used it quite a few times. So what kind of scenes can we talk about that we have um, mixed it in? So recently we had the chance to meet Violet Rain and she came over to watch us do some rope at my studio. Um, and for that, what did you do? For that, if I recall, we started with the tepu um, on top of a few chest wraps and then we did a partial, fairly low to the ground suspension where you were suspended vertically from the chest wraps. And you had one of your legs going up and the other leg in a futo kind of balanced on the kneecap a bit. Yeah, one of the legs had a um, single column at the thigh and a single column at the ankle, almost mm -hmm. pretty much straight out at a 90 degree angle to the futo, which was almost on the floor, my knee, almost. <laughs> so you were kind of alternating between a partial and a full suspension. Sometimes on... it was on the floor. And then you brought out the cane, I believe. Yes, that was good fun, wasn't it? I would say it definitely became more of a suspension as I tried to get away from the cane. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but we also did, um, I would say, some softer scenes with tepus, like that one we did on the floor where you were face down and we mixed in some chains, a bit of a mixed media, that one. <laughs> and that was very nice. Um, as I said, face down on the floor is one of the, in inverted commas, easier ways to hold the tie. Mm. So um, it's less pressure on the arms. Um, and you did put me into quite a strange, painful shape overall, but it was um, a nice uh, face-down floor tie. I think that's definitely one of the strong points of the tepu is that it can be a really aesthetic position. Mm. So if you're going for playing with body shapes, shaping your partner into a sculpture or for a photo or just for your viewing pleasure, definitely the tepu is a good tool to use for that. Okay, and then we also had a very fun tepu, which in fact I think I called the giggling tepu. Yeah, which was fun bordering on the ridiculous, but in a good way. Mm. Um, because it was at a time where, if I recall, you had an ankle injury. I had a very bad ankle injury, yeah. And you were tied with your lower body in an agura. Yeah. Uh, so agura... Because my sir takes no prisoners. Apparently. Ankle injury, no problem. Uh, and you were... On a very soft bed. Yes. So Agura is a cross-legged position, kind yes. of a half lotus position. 
with a bad ankle on a very soft bed. So we were already not very stable very to begin soft. with. And then we added in the tepu, which did not help you balance and stabilize no. so much. So you're in the like... middle of the bed and you basically kept falling onto the bed. And then I would put you back sitting straight up and you would fall again. I would put you back up. You were like those toys yeah. that are weighted on the bottom and like wiggle. What do you call those? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I was exactly like that. Just yeah. bouncing back up every time. So yeah, we were laughing a lot. It was a good, good time. That's actually painful, a, but good. That's actually a pretty good memory. Uh, so dear listeners, if you like the teputai and if you would like to share your own photos and your own experiences with using that tie, you can absolutely do so by leaving a comment on the FetLife writing for this episode. So that's all from us at the World Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, which is Rope Podcast. And if you have a question related to Rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. So drop us a message on FetLife. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.